Welcome to Illumin America, a podcast created by the U.S. Baha'i Office of Public Affairs. Welcome back to the show, everyone. If this is your first time dropping by, Illumin America is a podcast produced by the Baha'i Office of Public Affairs that explores constructive solutions to some of America's most pressing social issues. This week's episode, which is the first of two parts, features PJ Andrews and May Lample, our race discourse officers. They'll be interviewing a team from Durham, North Carolina, that have been working in their neighborhood to sustain a Baha'i-inspired program of community building that works with younger youth to develop their spiritual capacities to serve humanity. This program, which occurs in many places around the country and around the world, is called the Junior Youth Spiritual Empowerment Program. Let's hear from May and PJ. Welcome, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe we could start with each of you introducing yourselves and talking about your relationship to the Junior Youth Spiritual Empowerment Program. All right, my name is Malik Denny. Uh, I started as a full-time volunteer in November. I got introduced to the program a little earlier in the summertime in August of 2019. And so I'm about six months in serving full-time, and I serve in the Durham area. And I have one junior youth group. My name is Shadi, and I live here in Durham, but I oversee the development of the junior program in this community and its surrounding area. Hi, my name is Malaysia. I'm serving as an animator full-time in Durham. I started in August serving, but full-time December, and I love it. My name is Ian. I live in Durham. I was, I guess I am in the middle of trying to start a junior youth group that's been complicated by a uh, global pandemic and Durham trying to serve the community and the junior youth program. And my name is Nathan Glines. I also have a junior youth group in the same neighborhood as everybody else here in Durham. I've been holding that group for about two years now in the neighborhood and, and together also offering the courses of the distance education system promoted by the Baha'i Training Institute in the area for maybe a few years before that. And in addition to living and, and serving in, the, in this particular neighborhood, I also serve the Baha'i International Development Organization as a, a resource person facilitating visits and the learning process around the junior youth program on the east coast as a whole welcome again thank you all for being here today it would be great to hear a little bit more about what the city of durham is like if you could tell us about the population that lives there what's the culture like that'd be really nice to hear so I would say Durham is a pretty chill atmosphere as far as where we serve in the Durham area. So we have nine zones that surround NCCU, which is North Carolina Central University, and HBCU in Durham. And so these nine surrounding areas around the university is where we serve. And primarily we have Hispanic families and African-American families. So most of the junior youth groups that well, the ones I formed and that Malaysia's formed and Nathan's group are either Hispanic, primarily Hispanic or African-American. And also a lot of the families we serve are probably below middle class, some on the more on the poverty side of things and maybe underprivileged in some ways. But we see that the capacity of 
any human being, especially children, is extraordinary. So we, we like to serve in those areas for the reason, for the purpose of empowering people that may feel discouraged by their financial circumstances. One of the unique characteristics of this particular part of uh, the city that we're all um, serving in is that it has a really long history of having a strong black community. And in the earlier 1900s, it was known as Black Wall Street. It was called uh, a neighborhood called Haytai. Du Bois wrote about it and said that you know, it, it was an area where there was so much strong Black-owned business and the religious community was really strong. And he described its social and economic characteristics as a beacon of light for the South and even described, you know, that there's a, there's a place in North Carolina, you know, called Haytai in Durham. And this is, is surely a, a place where there are signs of, of progress. And as a result of a lot of that prosperity, North Carolina Central University, which is an HBCU was established in the middle of the neighborhood, which is really wonderful. So the Institute has been able to have a, a wonderful partnership with North Carolina Central University and been able to invite uh, students to also participate in a lot of the service learning processes that are underway which is really wonderful dimension of the neighborhood. A lot of students at university, you know, they kind of have a bubble that is somewhat separate from the neighborhood within which they're located. But the university itself has this mission. Their, their motto is truth and service. Um, and this desire that I think is, you know, really emerges from its historical roots of interconnectedness between the institution and the community that the institute has been able to find common ground with, you know, to try and collaborate together, to try and find ways for young people to take what they're, they're learning in school and, and to find paths of service for them to bring their aspirations into fruition in the neighborhood around the university, which has been really cool as well. It'd be great to hear a little bit more about the Junior Youth Spiritual Empowerment Program. What are some of its characteristics? How does it work? The Junior Youth Spiritual Empowerment Program um, aims to work with young people between the ages of 11 and 14. Um, and you know, we these are like the middle school years that we believe are very significant and you know the crucial time in the life of a human being. It is during this time that like many aspects of their characters and their identity um, are beginning to take shape. And it was also during this time that maybe even more than at any other point in their lives, they really have an acute sense of, of justice. They, they are, you know, not only, they not only have a desire to learn about the world uh, around them, but they also have a desire to contribute to its betterment and to be able to bring about constructive change in their communities. So it is to these particular characteristics of the age group that the program intends to respond to. So the program is there to really nurture this inherent potential of young people to contribute to the social, the spiritual, the cultural and, and material progress of their communities. And, you know, oftentimes when we share about the program, people say, well, how do you shape 
moral empowerment, like what, what contributes to moral empowerment? Like what is your conception of moral or spiritual empowerment? And the program has various aims to which we're trying to advance and learn about. But one of them is that one thing we believe contributes to the moral empowerment of young people is their perception, their ability to see the world. And so we, we believe that there's two, like, two dimensions to the way young people see the world or could see the world. One is the material dimension of, of you know, reality. But then there's also a spiritual dimension to it. Like there's these spiritual forces, the force of justice, the force of unity, the force of compassion, of love. And so we want young people to sharpen this this dimension of their perception. So one one way in which the junior youth program tries to empower young people is to sharpen their, their spiritual perception. We also not only want them to see the world in a different way, we also want them to, to talk about the world in a different way. So another aim of the junior youth program is to enhance their, their powers of expression, to, to give them language that enables them to talk about the world and the way they see it. I think one of the benefits that the the text, this this curriculum offers young people is that it exposes them to just some of the initial elements of the conceptual framework that can allow them to analyze their neighborhoods progress, their communities progress to begin to think about the many ideas that they're exposed to in the media in everyday conversation you know in a, in a world that oftentimes is very ideologically divided and confused they're exposed to spiritual concepts that can help them understand the world with a hopeful outlook so, for example, some of the concepts they explore in the books, you know, the, in the first year of the program, they're exploring the concept of God and his assistance that he provides humanity when we make effort, which is especially important for a young person to be able to make the key life decisions that will guide who they grow up to be and, and how they end up using their talents to serve humanity. They explore the nature of hope and the many decisions and powers we can draw upon to remain hopeful as we are contributing to the betterment of our communities because we have to engage with sometimes disintegrating institutions and forces around us. The texts help them think about the nature of true joy and happiness and how that can come from the spiritual reality. And it, there's also texts that help them consider what is humanity's true nature as noble and virtuous beings, how to think about the kind of will and forces that propel our individual lives forward uh, prosperously. And they're able to get a vision of um, different you know, ask dimensions of community life and progress through, sometimes implicitly through the stories, as they're able to interact with characters who are trying to better education for their community, better agriculture, 
improve public health. And they also are able to, in some of the texts, consider dimensions of science as well and some of the intellectual capacities, mathematic capability, scientific capability that they can draw upon in their practical efforts to better their communities. And so all of these ideas, though, you know, it's a, it's a humble effort to help adolescents have some initial ideas that, of course, can be built upon, can evolve, especially in light of their practical experiences serving their communities and uniting with their neighbors. But we've seen that when, when young people really have a strong grasp of these ideas, It'll, it protects them from many of the more, you know, pernicious ideas that are maybe they're exposed to in various, various settings in their community. I was wondering if you talked a little bit about the impact of the junior youth program on the neighborhood and reaching out to neighbors. It'd be interesting to hear more about that process, how this program really draws people together in the neighborhood and creates bonds of fellowship. I have some short input on that question. The first thought that comes to mind is uh, once we integrate ourselves into the neighborhood as uh, mentors or animators, seek to be kind of leaders in that aspect of creating fellowship in the community. So sometimes neighbors aren't outspoken to get to know the people in their neighborhood. But as, as we integrate ourselves, we can become leaders as we go door to door and go outside of our comfort zone to get to know everybody and even try to introduce people or have community gatherings where we bring people from the neighborhood together so that they can become more, more aware of each other and become friends as well. One element of the junior youth program is also that of service. So from the outset, like Malik was sharing, animators are encouraged to assist the young people in their groups to begin to think about the life of their community and analyze ways in which they can contribute to, to its betterment. So one way, one simple way we've been able to do this is encourage every group in the neighborhood to take a walk in their neighborhood and in, in their street. Uh, to begin to talk to neighbors, to consult with them about what kinds of service projects they could do. So that's one way in which the junior youth program has been able to, you know, begin a process of, of integration in the community where young people are interacting with the different members of, of their neighborhood in a process of, of consultation around the well-being of, of the street. Yeah, like as Shani was saying, I was just thinking about in past experience when me and my dream youth group and other dream youth members were uh, exploring the neighborhood, walking around, and then they established that they wanted to build a trash can um, because there were trash, you know, around the community, and they wanted to build a waste bin to keep the environment clean, be able to not just waste the environment just because there's no trash can. It's just like we just want them to have an insight on things that ha should be done, need to be done, even if they're not in the community, but they know someone who lives there. They, there was a, a time recently when we were talking about with some of the youth and even amongst ourselves, we were chit-chatting, you know, just friends of us on this call about our own experiences in adolescence and, and 
any of the experiences that young people are having where, you know, sometimes at, at church they feel sort of preached at and they can't really share what they think or, or sometimes with parents, you know, the, the parent will say, you know, stay in your place at uh, school. Some some of the, the teachers in the neighborhood, the, the middle schoolers describe, you know, that there's like the greatest value in educational performance is that of obedience, you know, um, and just and teachers will sometimes say when a young person asks a question, you know, that they're being disruptive by, by merely trying to ask questions and engage. And so one of the things that I think is a, a real advancement is for the, the youth and junior youth to be able to explore ideas in a safe space, you know, where people aren't laughing at them or making fun of them, but that they can also laugh and joke and but also ask questions with openness, not because they're perpetually questioning without being able to formulate a sense of, of understanding and truth and conviction. But part of advancing understanding is being the, the capacity to advance and discuss and, and have dialogue about core concepts. And so I think that's been one impact that I see on the community of junior youth and youth participating is that they're immediately in, in very short, not immediately, but in very short term gains. So many of the, the young people will describe, you know, this program has helped me find my voice. You know, it has helped me become more open. I used to just stay to myself and now I try to connect with others in the community. And then I think with the families who are participating, there's a lot of love and appreciation. A lot of the parents describe to us that they are concerned about the well-being of their children. There is a lot of, you know, petty crime in the neighborhood, and a lot of adolescents are getting into things that are destructive for their well-being. And so the parents just really appreciate there being a a safe space that's also facilitated by other neighbors and, and particularly youth so that we can support one another. You know, that, that phrase, you know, it takes a village, you know, to, to be able to, to live that together as a community. Like parents really appreciate that. And then it creates the, the kinds of trust and relationships that can become the, the seeds for more. Lastly, um, it, it provides opportunities for certain aspects of social action and, and service projects. We used to have these community meetings in the park where different neighbors would come together and suggest ideas for things that we could do as a community, whether they were cookouts or little construction projects like Malaysia was describing, artistic projects. And I think everybody wants to live in a community that's like that. So I think it has an impact on the sense of safety and interconnectedness even in small ways, that's really important for um, a young person who's growing up and, and going to remember these ideas from childhood for the rest of their life. Yeah, I just, as I've been listening, I've been thinking about, like you guys have been touching on different aspects of the of the sort of Baha'i community building process. One that sort of is envisioned to be all-encompassing, like to encompass a whole community. So I wonder if, if you could share a little bit um, about that process of taking this beautiful program and implementing it in the community that you're a part of, both in terms of, you know, developing junior youth groups, in terms of how you build local animators, people from the community, from NC, you mentioned NCCU, the, the local university there. Well, 
Maybe I can start just by sharing a little bit about the Baha'i approach to community building. The approach has been, has evolved under a particular framework and philosophy of, of social change and development and of education. And, you know, sometimes these things are often implicit, but at times it is helpful to bring them to the realm of the explicit when describing the nature of the approach. One is that the Institute views human resource development in a very particular way, and that is as a process that creates an increasing number of individuals, a wholehearted dedication to the material and the spiritual development of their people. And then the other is um, around the nature of, of change, the nature of transformation. There is no simplistic formulas to the approach. We, we really understand that the process of transformation of, of human society is you know, a far more complex set of interactions between two parallel developments. One, the transformation of individuals, and two, the, the deliberate creation of new structures of a new society. And so, you know, it is according to this vision of, of social change that then the, the institute process that we're engaged in directs its efforts to raise human resources who can carry out a set of activities such as the ones we were describing, you know, groups for the moral empowerment of young people, classes for the spiritual education of children, gatherings of fellowship and worship amongst neighbors, each which are, you know, conducive to their own spiritual and intellectual growth, but are also carried out in, in the context of each individual's contribution to the establishment of new structures and a new pattern um, of community life. As Shadi mentioned, from the beginning, we've been trying to promote an intensive process of participation and a process of capacity building that, that you know, has a really strong educational component that enables people to be able to participate with increasing effectiveness. And, you know, part of that, as Shadi said, is due to our vision that, you know, just our belief in, in humanity. Um, Malik was talking about this, you know, that all human beings have a right and a responsibility to contribute to the advancement of civilization. And the other dimension of it is, you know, we have really lofty aims. You know, we know it'll take many generations, but our goal is is to build unity, unity of, of the neighborhood, equality between men and women, economic justice and um, social safety and stability for all people. And so, you know, practically speaking, if you're going to achieve such a vision, you really need everybody. <laughs> you know, the, the amount of, of power that it creates to create the incremental steps and refinements to achieve such a vision really requires everybody. So that, I think that's the other dimension for the very practical dimension of why from the very beginning we've been trying to include everybody in participating in these efforts to further refine and develop the strengths of our community. Though it has started with the youth, the vision has always and will always still be every member of the community, every age group. And I think that as we have been able to expand participation within one sort of segment or age group within the neighborhood or one pocket, 
it's had a real reinforcing effect on the quality of what we're doing as a whole to have such a diversity of ages, um, you know, increasingly particip- participating. It's such a pleasure to hear from people who are genuinely concerned with how they can contribute to the well-being of their community. Please stay tuned for next week's episode when we're going to pick up where we left off with the team from Durham.